0: Hi, friends. It's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So, again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening.
1: Well, good morning. Ridgewater Church, it is so good to be here with you again. You know, um, every time I come, I get a thrill and a joy just to be a part of my second family. So we are grateful and so thankful for being invited. I want to give honor to the pastor here, my dear friend Drew and his his wife Kay, and thank God for Pastor Liz taking so much time out just to, just to take me and make me look halfway decent. And so we appreciate each one of you just being here and and helping me out and welcoming me. And to Bridgewater family, thank you for just allowing me to come back again. And so we are just grateful. I know that um, Pastor Drew has uh, had a loss, his mother, and um, we've been in touch with him and we're praying for him. And uh, we are so grateful that uh, you all are praying for him as well. So thank you uh, for taking good care of my friend and his wife. Well, what I want to do is I want to get right into the Word this morning. And uh, one of the things I enjoy, and that is uh, sharing the good news, sharing the story that uh, can change lives. And so this morning, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 41 beginning at verse 1, Genesis chapter 41 and beginning at verse 1. I, I, I know Drew is a uh, prolific speaker, and I, I hope he didn't take this topic I'm dealing with. <laughs> but if he did, you'll hear two good messages on the same thing. <laughs> but uh, I know you're dealing with a comeback series. And uh, I just wanted to share with you this morning on a man that made a comeback in the Old Testament. That man's name is Joseph. He made a tremendous comeback. So this morning, I want to talk to you about, here's a subject I want to talk to you about from the prison to the palace. And my subtopic is from setback to comeback. From setback to comeback. Um, The scriptures are coming from um, Genesis chapter 41. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. Behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly there came up out of the river seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine looking fat cows. So Pharaoh awoke, he slept and dreamed a second time and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on one stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads blighted by the east wind sprang up after them and and the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he sent and called all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who would or could interpret them for Pharaoh. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh, saying, I remember my faults this day. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker, we each had a dream in one night, he and I, And each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him, and he interpreted our dream for us. To each man, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass, just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office, and he hanged him. Ooh, what a story. I'm going to stop right there, because we're going to use basically the whole chapter of um, Genesis 41. It's amazing how that, um, I'm always thrilled with Joseph. Joseph is a type of man that um, had some setbacks. Started off being the favorite son, then all of a sudden, setback. Had the dreams, and the dreams he had were fantastic dreams, but his brothers did not like it. And so they said, let's get rid of this guy. Sold him. Put him in a pit. Set back. Then all of a sudden here, here he comes. And uh, he was bought by a traveling herdsman and sold in Egypt and went to Potiphar's house and did a fantastic job because God was with him. And everything seemed to be going just fine for Joseph. And then all of a sudden, um, Potiphar's wife accused him, chased him, wanted him, and then um, accused him for possibly, um, how would I say it, um, being attracted to her. And so she reached out to grab his coat or grab him. He got out of his coat and she accused him of coming along and being attracted to her. And then old Potiphar said, you got to go to jail. Setback. Do you notice all the setbacks that Joseph is having? And it seems like whenever a man or woman attempts to do something for God, there are always setbacks. Don't ever think that just because you love the Lord with all your heart that you'll never have any setbacks. They are part of life. It's not so, so much how many setbacks you have, it's how you handle the setbacks. That's what makes the difference in all of our lives. All of us have had setbacks. Every one of us have gone through difficult times you're saying, but I, but I love the Lord, and somebody told me that if I love the Lord, I wouldn't have any setbacks, have no problems. Everything's going to just be smooth as silks. Whoever told you that told you a lie. There will be setbacks. Now we come to a point right now where he was in prison because he had done the right thing and honored God in his life. He was in the prison because he had refused the advances of a wicked woman. When we last saw Joseph in one chapter, he was in a place of hardship, but he was still faithfully serving the Lord. He was a man who had his priorities in order, and wherever Joseph was, he could be counted on to be faithful, but in spite of all the faithfulness he gave to God, setbacks occurred. When Joseph was waiting for a visit from the outside in, 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 in Genesis 49 through 13, Joseph had had an interested or had a dream from Pharaoh's chief butler. When Joseph told the butler the interpretation of the dream, he asked for the butler's help in securing his release from prison. But when the butler was released from prison, he immediately forgot all about Joseph's setback. Hmm. Hmm. In our text today, we're going to watch as Joseph is delivered from the prison and promoted to the palace. We're going to see the unseen hand of God at work in this man's life. We're also going to see what, what, that, what the Lord did for Joseph. He can do for you and me. He knows where we are, and in his time, he knows how to bring us out of our prisons and place us in the palace. And I want us to join Joseph once again and notice the circumstances God used to move Joseph from the prison to the palace, from setback to comeback. First of all, I want you to see Joseph and the providence. Joseph and providence. You see in verses 1 through 14, to anyone looking at the life of Joseph, it must have appeared that the Lord had forgotten all about him. Sometimes we feel that way. After all, he was a faithful servant of the Lord, but he was in prison and doing time for a crime he had not committed. It only looked like God had forsaken him. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal purposes. God used three amazing turns of events to bring about Joseph's release from prison. But let me, before I get in that, let me tell you something. There's a book out by R.C. Sproul called the, the Invisible Hand. And The Invisible Hand, the book is saying that, that all along in our lives, sometimes we don't see God working in our lives, but there is an invisible, unseen hand that is always working behind the scenes. You see, here's one thing I I, I love about God. I can't explain all there is about God. But one thing I have realized in my older age now is that somehow or another, when we are faithful to God, when we love God with all of our heart, there is an unseen hand working behind the scenes to get us to where we need to be. There is an unseen hand, the hand of God, that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You may not see that hand, but it's there. We need to see God working in the life of Joseph and in our own lives. The first thing I want you to see that we learn is that there are providential delays. We are told that Joseph waited in that prison for two full years. That was after the butler was released. We are not told how long he was there before those events. God used the long grinding years in the prison to teach Joseph patience and dependence. God placed Joseph in a waiting room and left him there until some very valuable lessons had been learned. God taught Joseph, and listen at me now, God taught Joseph to wait on the Lord and to trust the Lord in spite of the situations at hand and the many setbacks he experienced. I want you to notice something. Have you ever experienced one of those waiting rooms in your life? I remember when my wife was having our children and that the baby was coming, but uh, I think it was Felicia It didn't come right on time. Waiting room, waiting time. But yet and still, we knew that she was on the way. Now, now sometimes God wants us to wait and, and be patient because down the line, there's a great gift coming, and sometimes this is where we get in trouble. We don't like to wait. We're living in an age of of Instagram. We're living in an age of microwave. We're living in an age whereby everything just comes just like that, except God. God is not on our time. We're on his time. And sometimes God has to allow us to wait to get the blessing that we should get. And I want you to understand that I am talking about a time Uh, when the Lord seemed to have forgotten your address. I'm talking about those times when it seemed like your prayers are not being answered. Nothing is going like you planned, and it seems that God is not interested in you or your need at all. Providential delays are never easy, but they are designed to focus our faith and increase our dependence upon the Almighty God. So they're their the providential delays. And then the second thing I hear is their providential dreams. Notice the context and Pharaoh's dreams. These dreams caused Pharaoh much concern. Verse 8 tells us that he was troubled. This word has an idea of being disturbed or greatly distressed. He called for his wise men. No doubt Pharaoh couldn't sleep at night after the dream. These were men who were supposed to be able to communicate with the Egyptian gods and share with Pharaoh the counsel of those gods, but they could not interpret the dreams either. Here They were lost. It would appear that God had closed their minds and caused them all to draw a blank in this matter. You know, God is able to do what he wants to do. I know for sure that these men never heard from their so-called gods, small g. But I am also sure that in time past, they would probably have ventured a, a, a guess. They probably guessed at something because they knew. I want you to understand They knew that if they were silent before Pharaoh, they could get their heads cut off. To be a counselor without counsel in that day was a dangerous thing. They could die on the spot. Here he is. Okay, guys, you're the smartest guys in the land. Interpret my dream. And I can hear him going, uh... Well, we don't, well, oh, oh, I can hear one of them saying. wait a minute, I think this is, no, that's not it. The other one said, wait, I, I got it. I, no, that's not it. Here they were, they were lost. Again, this is the providential work of the Lord in Joseph's light. God sent, let me tell you something, God sent the dream to Pharaoh, and he also sent a blank mind to all of Pharaoh's counselors. God was working behind the scenes to accomplish his eternal plan and his eternal purposes. Isn't that a blessing? Come on, help me now. Pharaoh and his men thought that he was in control of everything that happened in Egypt. In truth, God was in control of all things, even the heart of the king. This passage should serve to give us hope today, and let me tell you why. First of all, our God is sovereign over all things. Second, kings rule at the pleasure of the Almighty God. You see, it's amazing to me that we see these guys in the world, and they think they got all kinds of power and, and, and prestige and everything else. But I want you to know something. Scripture lets us know that, that, that the king is in place, but God controls the heart of the king. And, and let me tell you this. that might blow your mind. Not only does he control the heart of the king, he controls the heart of the king, whether they're good or evil. You hear me? Before we leave this off, God God still speaks through dreams in our day. I know some of you are saying, "Oh no, he doesn't speak." But let me tell you something. Now, remember, Dr. James Earl Massey uh, dealt with a, a sermon dealing with dreams, and one of the things that that he brought out, he says that there are men who are studying dreams. We don't know all there is about dreams, but we know men have dreams. Have you ever laid out and woke up in the morning? You had this fantastic dream, and then you went back to sleep, and by the time you woke up, you'd forgot that dream. I, I, dreams are, are are real now. How we interpret dreams is a whole nother story. But dreams are real. In Joseph's time, they did not have the Bible. They did not have a complete revelation of God's word. But we do. In our day, God speaks through his word. He still speaks, I believe, and this is me. Don't send me any emails saying, what do you mean he speaks in dreams? I'm I'm just saying that I believe that there is something to dreams. I believe that. The Bible is, though, I want you to understand this, and don't get me wrong. The Bible is superior to dreams and visions in several ways. But dreams have their place. Hmm. I hope I can get amen on that one. First, the Bible speaks to, to, to many subjects. Dreams are more limited in their focus. You've got to understand that. Second, the Bible is far more trustworthy. Anyone can read it. A dream is only known to the dreamer. Third, the Bible has absolute authority over dreams. Fourth, the Bible is is certain and fixed. Dreams fade with time. Follow me. Don't put all your faith in dreams and visions of the night. Instead, read, study, and build your life upon the Word of God. If there's a dream, God will give an interpretation of it later. But don't depend upon dreams. You know, some dreams come because you had pizza and spaghetti last night. So they, they, they come that way. But the Word of God will stand forever. Know the Word. Study the Word. And if you have a dream, God, that as you study the Word, God may just bring a thought to your mind, oh, this is what that meant. So there, there were uh, uh, dreams during that time, and when they had dreams during that time, they expected the counselors, and follow me now, they expected the counselors to know what the dreams meant. And then, the third thing is not only providential dreams but providential deliverance. The context: the chief butler finally shakes the cobwebs from his mind, and then he remembers Joseph. He tells Pharaoh the story, and the Joseph is delivered from the prison and brought to the palace. Boy, I know Joseph was ready. The hand of God is seen in this sequence of events. Joseph, and listen to me now. Joseph. It's brought to Pharaoh only when Pharaoh has been brought to a place of desperation. On any other day, this powerful ruler would not have listened to anything, listen to me now, to anything a, a, a prisoner had to say to him. Why would the Pharaoh listen at a prisoner who's in there about ready to get his head cut off? But now on this day, he had no choice. He was desperate. He was desperate for answers, and he was willing to listen to anyone who could possibly give them to him. The unseen hand of God. We would do well to remember that our God operates his universe on split-second timing. From the orbit of the tiny parts of every atom to the precise movements of galaxies, God has everything on a schedule. He's too big to have distractions and things out of whack. You know, you know this world is held, held together by him, right? You know this world is put together. He, he created everything, but he holds it all together by his word. And everything is in direct sequence to what he wants to have happen. Let me tell you something. We want to see something happen. We want it now. We need to learn that God orders events, and the very timing of those events— so that all of life runs on, listen at me now, his perfect schedule. Wow. When I learned that, I learned the fact that, you know, as someone, the old saints used to tell me, he may not come when you want him to, but he's always on time. When did Jesus come to disciples in the storm? When did Jesus show up at the tomb of Lazarus? When did Jesus arrive at the house of Jairus? When did Jesus pass through the little town of Nain? When did Jesus take a rest on Jacob's well? When did Jesus go to Calvary? When did Jesus rise from the dead? When did Jesus come to you and save your soul? When will Jesus move your mountain and meet your need, deliver you from your prison? Right on time. He will not be early. He will not be one second late. The truth blesses, this truth blesses my heart. You need to understand that God is always on time because he's in control there is a providential deliverance that comes only when he's ready for you to have it the second thing i want you to see tonight this morning is this joseph and pharaoh joseph's profession listen joseph stands before pharaoh and, and, and listens as the king explains his dilemma. Joseph listens to the dream and gives Pharaoh the interpretation. Now, but, but follow me now. I want you to follow me. Don't, don't turn away yet. Listen at me. But before he does, Joseph displays true humility and points Pharaoh to the Lord. Even after all he had been through, Joseph is not bitter. Boy, that says a lot. Put in prison falsely. Accused falsely. Forgotten. And yet, when he comes before Pharaoh, he's not bitter. You know what? Attitude makes a difference. When people do you wrong, don't always try to get back at them. Remember, God allowed you to go through what you went through for a reason. Don't get bitter, get better. And that's what Joseph did. He actively seeking ways to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Joseph is not upset about the delays and the problems and the setbacks he has had to face. As a prisoner, he immediately sees the providence of God at work, and he is quick to use this opportunity to magnify his Lord. For Joseph, everything is about the Lord. In Joseph's mind, Joseph doesn't matter. His battles don't matter. Even Pharaoh doesn't matter. All that matters is the Lord and his glory. And and you got to understand something. Whatever Joseph touched, he was blessed because the Lord was with him. (laughs) Do you get it? Locked up in prison, but the Lord was with him. Pharaoh's house, uh -uh, Potiphar's house, but the Lord was with him. Came before Pharaoh, the Lord was with him. Setbacks. The Lord was with him, but he's on his way to a comeback. You see it? When life gets complicated, and it often does, when it seems that God is not moving as we think he should, and it often does, it's easy to get angry at God. And sometimes, I've, I, many times I've talked to people who've been angry at God. Why didn't God do this? Why didn't he do that? What's the reason for this? What's the, I, I, I have to say this. I don't know. If you can explain all there is about God, then you may be second in command. We can't explain everything there is about God. All we know is that God has his own time, and if we could ever grasp the truth that he orders every moment of our lives, it would change our perspective. If we could ever grasp the truth that we are are where we are because he has placed us there for his own purpose, it will focus our faith on him. If, If we could ever get a grip on the truth that he is working out every detail of life for his glory and our good, Romans 8, 28, it will make the prisons and the waiting rooms of life much more bearable. Therefore, we should always be in the business of magnifying him. He is worthy of our praise. Even amid the darkest days of our lives, he is worthy of receiving glory. Even when our hearts are breaking, we should ever strive to lift his name and point others to him. After all, you and I really don't matter. All that really matters is the Lord, his glory, and his will. He just uses us to accomplish his will in every aspect of our lives. I'm so glad that he chose me to be a part of his plan. And you have to come to a point where you say, it ain't about me, God. It's about you. And when it's about him, he has a way of giving us a proper perspective about what life is all about so then there there is joseph's plan joseph's plan joseph knows that the lord is in is in this moment and thus he does what no other prisoner would have dared to do he not only tells pharaoh what it is all about what's happening in egypt he tells pharaoh what to do about it he his plan is threefold i love joseph he comes, stand before Pharaoh. He, before he came, he shaved, washed his face, put good, decent clothes on, came up, was in a great attitude, and then he laid it on him. First, he recommends finding a wise man to oversee the project. God has set no Pharaoh up. And then second, he recommends gathering 20% of all the food produced during the seven years of planning. Third, he recommends storing up that food and using it to feed the population during the seven years of famine. Joseph's plan is an amazing plan. It is simple, but it will prove very effective. Not only will the people be able to eat during the famine, but Egypt will have corn to spare. But but listen, this plan did not originate with Joseph. The Lord put it in his heart and he shared his heart with the king. God used Joseph to set a policy for the kingdom. Follow me. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing to watch who the Lord will use to accomplish his purposes in this world. He uses some of the most unlikely candidates imaginable. Guess what? He chose us. Many times we were unlikely. Coming up, we people would tell us, oh, you're not gonna be anything. you won't be nothing, won't be nothing much. We played around in high school, and I know I did. And, and then, you know, then we finally catch on when we get to college, and then, then God all of a sudden says, I want to use you. Who but God would have chosen Moses, would have chosen David, would have chosen Gideon and Saul of Tarsus? Who but God would have chosen people like you and me to serve him in these days, but this is his specialty, just the way God is. He will allow setbacks to prepare you for the comeback. That's what he does. But then, the third thing I want to tell you is Joseph's promotion. Here we go. And y'all got to follow me right here. I won't be much longer. Well, follow me. First of all, Joseph's new position. Pharaoh likes Joseph's plan and decides that he would never find another man as wise as Joseph to administer the plan. Come back! Here he is, set back for so many years, and now he said, "The only one that can accomplish this plan is you, Joseph." Remember, he was a slave. Remember, he was a prisoner, and now he's being promoted come on now, from the prison to the palace. Sit back to come back. Help me now. That's hope for you. He decides. In an instant of time, Joseph went from being a prisoner to being second only to Pharaoh. He was promoted from being over a few prisoners in Potiphar's prison to ruling the whole nation. He is given the position of prime minister. In this position, he had all the rights and powers of the king. In the absence of the king, the prime minister functioned in that capacity. Look at this. Go ahead, Joseph. From setback to comeback, no one but God could accomplish something as outstanding as that. Pharaoh even recognized the hand of the Lord on Joseph and gave God the glory for what had taken place. Not only do you see Joseph's new position, but, but, but also Joseph's new power. joseph is given all the emblems of authority. He is placed in the second chariot right behind Pharaoh. Everywhere he goes, people are commanded to kneel before him in respect and reverence. And one day, the prisoner has become the sovereign. The prisoner has moved out of the prison and has taken up residence in the palace. It was a powerful and drastic change of life for Joseph, and it was all the work of God in his life. Mm. He had power, but then Joseph knew possession. When Pharaoh promoted Joseph, he gave his it gave him some new possessions to go along with his new positions. Listen to what he gave him: he gave him a new ring. Mm. This ring was Pharaoh's signet ring. He symbolized it symbolized Joseph's authority to act as Pharaoh himself. He was given the authority to sign the king's name. Set back to come back. Gave him a new robe. Joseph had lost the robe given to him by his father. That robe said that he was head of the family. Joseph only had that robe for a short time. He had lost the robe when he ran from Miss Potiphar. (laughs) That robe identified him as a convict, slave. He only possessed the robe for a short time. Now he is given a new robe made from expensive Egyptian linen. This robe identified him as the ruler of the land, Joseph held onto his robe for 80 years and then gave him a gold chain. This chain told everyone who saw him that Joseph was a man to be revered and respected. When he passed by, everyone was to bow at his feet, set back to come back. In giving Joseph these things, the Lord was allowing Joseph to see a partial fulfillment of the dreams that was given years before. As Joseph, listen at me, rolled along in his new chariot, watching the people bow at his approach, he must have given praise to the Lord for, listen to me now, for his grace and providence in his life. Who would have thought that a little boy coming from a Hebrew family, in prison, falsely accused, put in a pit, and now second in command in the greatest country in the world at that time? God had taken him through the pit, through the prison, but in the end, God had brought Joseph to the palace. Now, let me ask you this can you imagine the conversation at Potiphar's house that evening? <laughs> can you imagine? Potiphar had, a, had authority, but he didn't have any authority over Joseph now. Can you imagine Potiphar sitting there? Mm, mm, mm. How did this happen? Now I'm in trouble. I falsely accused him. And now I can have my head cut off. That's what happened when Joseph went from setback to comeback. Let me tell you something. There are times when we think we have been forgotten by God. There are times when we think the wheels of providence have run us over and left us like a roadkill beside the highway of life. But that is just how things appear. God has a plan. He can change our situation just like that. Jesus spoke and the storm stopped. Jesus spoke and the dead man named Lazarus got up. Jesus spoke and the universe came into being. Friend, he knows where you are today. He knows all about the prison, all about the pain. He knows what you're facing and all that you've been brought through. And one day he will deliver you out of your time of bondage. Until then, stay faithful, love the Lord, grow where you are, planet. look for ways to glorify him and wait. One day you will get... Up and everything will begin to change. Oh, Job knew that in Job 42. After weeks and months of suffering, suddenly Job was released from his prison. And it will happen in your life too. Just hang on. Matter of fact, Job got double for his trouble. He had some setbacks, but he had never accused God. And God brought him out. Well, let me finish. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to stop. Let me conclude here. What are we to take away from the passage today? There are, there are several lessons I want you to see, but a few stand out as being of the most of importance to believers. First of all, I want you to see this. God is in control of all of our life. You've got to understand that. He controls all of our lives. But he also, he is working in your life even when you can't see his activity. You can't see it all the time. He has a plan to deliver you and promote you in his time. Your primary duty in all the situations and circumstances of life is to seek for ways. Listen at me now to glorify Him, even as you patiently wait for Him to accomplish His purposes in your life. Even in the midst of setbacks, He's setting you up for a comeback. Where did this message find you this this, this morning? Let me ask you this question: Are, are you in need of some divine intervention? You should come and seek him for it, even now. Are you growing impatient as you wait for him to move in your life? You should come and ask him to help and trust him during this time. But then, are you seeking meaning in the things you face in life? Your setbacks. Dave Ramsey, who a guy I listen to every now and then, he's a financial guru. Before he got to where he is right now, he had to file total bankruptcy. He went bankrupt. He said he lost it all. A major setback. And yet and still, he never gave up. Matter of fact, he gave honor to the Lord for helping him to get to where he is now. Setbacks will come, but boy, when the comeback is ripe and ready, you're going to see double for your trouble. And then finally, I want to ask you this question. Are you lost? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You'll never have a comeback until you recognize the great comeback man. See, they thought they had Jesus. They they nailed him to a cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. And many of them said, oh, we got him now. Got him now. He ain't going nowhere. The devil even probably thought, oh, he's locked up. He can't go nowhere. But on the third day... Early Sunday morning, he rose again. Come back, got up, and then he said, I've had some setbacks, but I got to come back. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. What a mighty comeback that he had. And if he came back, if he got up, and he had a mighty comeback, what about you? Don't give up on life. Because there are many setbacks in like hang in there. Because sooner or later, the Lord's going to take you from the pit to the palace, and then you're going to get through your setbacks ready for a comeback. I hope this blessed you this morning, and I want you to know that God is an awesome God, and he loves you so much. Don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for all you do and how you do it. Thank you for loving us and helping us even when times are tough, even if we can't see your hand, but you're always there. Forgive us, Lord, for the impatience we have and give us strength to walk through the setbacks prepared for the comeback. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs to know you as your personal Savior, we ask you, Lord, that you would touch their lives. If there's anyone here who's saved and they're saying, I'm about ready to give up on everything, let them know that if they patiently wait, you will come right on time. You heard us say earlier, you may not come when we want you to, but you're always on time. So bless your people. Save someone today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you for allowing me to come. We'll see you next time.
0: Hey, friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our E family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners, and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast, and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.